and welcome to HipCast, the podcast here to improve hip fracture care. My name is Dr. Neve Ramsey, Research Assistant at the Australian and New Zealand Hip Fracture Registry. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation as the traditional custodians of the land we live and work on, and pay my respects to Elders past, present and emerging. On the podcast, we have Professor Ian Harris and Professor Jackie Close, co-chairs of the ANZ HFR, as well as the Australian Registry Manager, Jamie Hallett. Today, we will be discussing the findings of the recently released ANZHFR 2021 Annual Report. Hello and welcome, everybody. So to begin with um, speaking about the Annual Report, let's start with how is it different this year? Thanks, Neve. Uh, so this year we present the sixth patient-level report and the ninth facility-level report. It reports patient-level-wise on 86 hospitals, which are 64 hospitals in Australia and 22 in New Zealand. And there's more than 14,800 records included in the report this year. So it's grown, the contribution has grown in size over the years. Thanks, Jamie. And Ian, what differences did you want to highlight this year? It's a very different report. Uh, for those that are used to seeing um, the format from previous years, we've gone from simply listing every single variable and every single field uh, on graphs to concentrating on the quality indicators. And so the printed report um, is, is now centred around these indicators. Um, and not only do we compare performance between hospitals uh, and between regions for each indicator, We've now added um, uh, like a, a traffic light um, graph, which shows where hospitals are doing very well, uh, excellent performance, and where they're perhaps lagging behind uh, for each of the many indicators that we have. And so there's sort of these red lights and green lights and, and uh, gold dots they get if they perform very well. Um, and we've also expanded on the uh, mortality section. We have more up-to-date data and longer-term data now. And so uh, we've got uh, funnel plots and uh, uh, different uh, kinds of graphs comparing hospitals for 30-day and 365-day mortality. So we've really expanded um, that part of it. The whole report with every single variable in it is still available digitally, but the printed report, which is also available digitally, is uh, is focused really just on the indicators, which is kind of what it's all about. That's what we're trying to achieve. Yeah, excellent. Some exciting changes this year. And Jackie, what were you excited to see about the report this year? I guess I'm always looking for, for areas where we can see clear evidence that things are improving um, and improvements in terms of the way the system performs, but actually probably more importantly is actually those system level improvements are probably leading to better outcomes for, for patients. Um, I guess inevitably as a geriatrician, cognition is the big thing for, for us. Um, delirium is by far the most common complication um, in the peri and post-operative setting for these hip fracture patients. So actually the evidence this year shows that we are seeing a year-on-year -year improvement in the number of people who are actually having their cognition assessed prior to their surgical um, intervention. So people are starting to think actually this is important and, and doing an assessment. 
Um, and we're also seeing a year-on-year improvement in actually people being assessed for delirium postoperatively. Um, and there doesn't seem to be an increase in the number of people being identified with delirium. So, so clearly cognition is in people or in people's minds now. We can't tell from the report whether that is ultimately leading to, to an improvement in patient care, but the fact that people are actually doing the assessments, um, hopefully it means that they're putting in place effective intervention strategies both to prevent and manage um, delirium. The other area I was um, enthusiastic about, um, although not necessarily about the um, figures, is the change we've had this year with um, first day mobilisation. We've had a lot of feedback from participating sites about that indicator where you offer somebody mobilisation and and they tick a box regardless whether the person's bottom actually leaves the bed um, that they are in. Um, So this year we've kept the first day mobilisation offer um, because that is one of the um, Australian Commission's quality indicators, but we've actually asked sites this year whether it was actually achieved. And what you can see is about 90% of hip fractures, the day after surgery, they are offered the opportunity to get up and start that recovery process. But the reality is only 47% actually achieve the bottom leaving the bed and actually taking a couple of steps or getting into a chair. So there is clearly um, room for improvement. And what I think what the other thing that was interesting for me is the huge amount of variability um, there is. So there's places like the Princess Alexandra, for example, up in Queensland, where 95% of patients are actually getting up the day after surgery. And that's down to about 20 to 30% of patients in some of the lower performing hospitals. So I'm pleased about the indicator. I think it's probably more representative of what's actually happening and is more important in terms of genuine, that starting that genuine recovery process from hip fracture. So the data is not great in terms of only 47% achieving it, but it gives us an area to focus on moving forward. I mean, that's an exciting variable that we've included this year. Um, and where do you think performance fell short compared to previous years? Oh, it's we're frustratingly poor still at getting people on treatment to prevent the next fracture. It seems a really hard indicator to, to move and we need to move it. Um, so the number of people leaving hospital on treatment for osteoporosis is still in the mid 20s. So overall 27% of patients left hospital on treatment for osteoporosis. um, And we're really not seeing much change um, over time. And that's not to say that we are not able to see change over time. You know, if I take the top three hospitals um, in this country, they're all from Queensland, the Queen Elizabeth, Sunshine Coast and Princess Alexandra, they're getting patients, 60, 70% of patients on treatment for osteoporosis before they leave hospital. So it is clear from looking at the data that we can do something about it. Um, it's probably an area we really do need to, to focus on. And it is something that we want to focus on. We have a sprint audit uh, coming up, hopefully later in 2021, um, focusing on that. The, the other thing on the um, secondary fracture prevention, it, it is clear people are, are, are trying. There's a lovely story in the report from the Alfred Hospital. One of the reasons for not initiating treatment for osteoporosis in hospital is the concern about um, dentition and starting anti-resorptive therapy. And there's a a lovely story talking about 
um, how a dentist has become involved with the team assessing dentition in the hospital um, setting. So there's, there's good ideas out there, um, but as a system, we need to do better around secondary fracture prevention. And, and it's not uh, for lack of trying. In, in New South Wales, there's a massive effort to uh, have you know fracture liaison services in every hospital uh, to try and improve this. But unfortunately, we just haven't seen the, the results of that yet. So hopefully in the next few years, it'll, it'll start to improve. Definitely. It's a space to watch. Do you think the COVID-19 pandemic in Australia and New Zealand has had an impact on what was reported in the 2020 report? I'm not sure that it's had an impact on numbers. Um, well, speaking personally anyway, because uh, it's the one constant <laughs> that we see. I think probably, you know, maybe the numbers have dropped a little bit. Uh, Jamie, have they? I don't think in terms of there was a few sites that couldn't um, collect. They didn't have the resources to collect or input the data this year. So even though overall the numbers we reported um, increased compared with last year, I think uh, we know that there were sites, um, particularly a few in Victoria, that just didn't have the resources to, to collect and input the data to the registry because uh, staff were redeployed. Uh, and we may see an impact um, again when we look at, at this year's data next year, given the current situation. But certainly that's sort of the impact that we know about and we do report in this report, we have a, a story from Frankston Hospital in Victoria about really uh, what the COVID situation uh, did in terms of the, the way they cared for hip fracture patients. Uh, and so that does highlight some of the impact um, on the ground for the, for the teams. It is something we're going to be looking at in a little bit more detail. So there's a research project um, approved uh, that will specifically look at the impact of COVID um, and we'll compare um, states, as, as, as Jamie says, it was very different across the states. Victoria in 2020 was certainly impacted by COVID. We had staff being redeployed to different roles, and, and Frankston is the good example of that. But in other states where um, case numbers were actually very low, the reality was, uh, and I can talk from personal experience, is actually our time to surgery improved because all the elective surgery um, stopped or uh, for a while. So we had surgeons ready to, to operate when people came in. So providing you didn't have COVID tests delaying um, proceeding to surgery, if anything, it was it was a mixed um, blessing. My next question was going to be, what was the biggest surprise of the report? But maybe that was it. Was there anything else that stood out for you? Probably not a surprise. We're not seeing a big shift in mortality. This is a uh, uh, we, we've really been able to look at mortality now over a longer period of time, and particularly early mortality. When the UK registry started, they saw a big fall in mortality year on year from over 10% um, uh, down to sort of 6 or 7 uh, We need to keep in mind that we kind of started uh, at that low level um, and we've we've maintained it. So... You know, we have a 30-day mortality, I think somewhere between sort of 7 and 8%, which has not really fallen a whole lot um, uh, over time. So I, I thought that was interesting. I kind of expected to see a fall. Yeah, that's really interesting, Ian, to see how we're doing in mortality each year and how we compare globally. What quality standard do you think should be prioritised moving forward? Oh, for me, it has to be secondary fracture prevention um, in terms of trying to prevent people from coming back. Um, with another fracture. 
there's, there's strong evidence that treatment for osteoporosis is effective in terms of preventing um, fractures. It's a relatively simple thing to do. It just seems very hard for us to, to put it right. So I think for me, that's probably a priority area. I'd recommend to sites to look at where they're underperforming. Um, and we've made that easy um, with the, the traffic light graphs. They can see where there's a red dot next to their hospital and, and that's the quality indicator that they individually need to work on. I think that would that, that's the one of the best things that's come out of this year's report. Definitely. A little birdie told me we have a new award this year. Can we talk about that? Yeah, so in line with um, other countries um, with hip fracture registries, there's, there's a real desire to reward um, good practice. And so, so this year we are going to be awarding um, what is going to be called the Golden Hip Award, and it will go to the hospital um, which has the best all-round performance against all the quality indicators. Um, so the winner will be announced later in September. So watch this space and hopefully moving forward, we will be able to have a podcast that highlights um, that particular um, hospital and talks about the work it does in terms of achieving uh, those standards. Very exciting. I can't wait to find out who will be winning that for the first time this year. Well, thank you for joining us today to discuss the ANZHFR 2021 annual report. I will include a link to the report in the episode notes for those listening. Uh, thank you for your time today. Thanks, Nave, and thanks, thanks to all Nave. the teams that thanks. contribute to the registry.